Are you an engineer who wants to stay in a tech environment but move into a managerial role? Cornell's Engineering Management Masters may be the answer to your prayers. And it comes in two flavors, on-campus and distance. We're going to learn about both from the director of the program, so tune in. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru, Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in, confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 351st episode of Admission Straight Talk. Thanks for joining me. Before we dive into today's interview, I want to mention a free resource at Accepted that can benefit you if you are applying to graduate engineering programs, and that is Applying to Graduate Engineering Programs, What You Need to Know. It can guide you through a process you've never been through before. It's not the same as applying to college. Download your complimentary copy at accepted.com slash 351 download. Again, that's accepted.com slash 351 download. Our guest today is Dr. Patrick Reed. Dr. Reed earned his bachelor's in engineering at the University of Missouri and his master's and PhD in civil and environmental engineering from the University of Illinois. Dr. Reed joined Cornell University as a professor of civil and environmental engineering in 2013. He has joined me on Admissions Straight Talk, however, in his capacity as director of Cornell's Master's in Engineering Management Program, or the MEM. Hi, Dr. Reed. Welcome to Admissions Straight Talk. Hi there. Great to join you. Thank you for being here. Let's start with a really basic question. What is the engineering management program at Cornell? And can you provide an overview of the on-campus program to start with? Sure. So engineering management is a master's of engineering degree. It typically is a one year, one academic year, although it can be one and a half year. And it's a blend of engineering and as the name would describe management as well. So what we do is we provide students with training in combination of management oriented courses, some of which come from our business school. And then they also can specialize in various engineering disciplines. And so we typically get students from all around the world and all sorts of different engineering backgrounds. And those students go through a series in terms of the on-campus coursework of learning about project management, uh, product management, leadership skills, Uh, they learn um, sort of the state of the art in terms of data analytics, uh, decision analysis, um, and there's a lot of training in terms of entrepreneurial opportunities and transitioning technologies to market. Okay, so it's a a blend of management slash business and engineering, right? The name is not that creative, but it's very descriptive, engineering. Okay, sounds good. Now, Cornell also recently announced a distance learning version of the Master's in Engineering Management program. How is that structured? So it follows much of the same motivation. So what we want to do is we want to train individuals to have depth and breadth. And that's in terms of their engineering backgrounds and skill and the technology. And then the breadth to transition that into, for example, institutional or organizational Uh, context or disruptive technologies. The difference between 
on campus and off campus, our distance learning is following the eCornell format, which is a professionally produced format. Uh, it's actually quite an impressive platform. We uh, have a professional studio and then the curriculum is designed. It's a bit more limited than our on campus. So one of the defining traits of the Cornell Engineering Management in both programs is you get a mix of product management, um, leadership, uh, and analytics. Uh, a core difference between the two programs is obviously it's a bit harder to have all of the diversity of courses that we have on campus into the distance learning. So it's a bit more restricted in terms of the, the course, and it's a two-year program versus uh, a one-year program, and it's asynchronous is the, the goal. So what that means is that you'll have mod modules online and you'll be taking it. And typically the student who would be in our distance learning program would be coming from a professional background. So most of our applicants are already working, have uh, years of experience and they're doing this as part of their professional development. Whereas our on-campus cohort tends to be uh, a bit more junior in terms of their background. And um, in that regard, they don't have necessarily uh, the job uh, where they're working both in a job and taking the, the graduate program. So the on-campus one is usually a full-time program and the online one is usually part-time, am I correct? Yeah, the way that we're viewing that is uh, it, it basically takes twice the, the time uh, for the uh, distance learning program. And are any of the, especially the on-campus one, is, are any of the courses taken at the Johnson School or is it management or not? So our courses in terms of the distance learning will be handled within our program in engineering management. There are a lot of potential options in terms of intersecting. So eCornell does do a lot of collaborative work with the Johnson School. And mm -hmm. so as the program emerges, because we're just launching it this fall, we expect the curriculum to grow and diversify. I would say in terms of our on-campus experience, if you look at the students' transcripts, in many cases, up to 50% of their classes are engineering and the other 50% are in Johnson or in business. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, what is, like, how do I know if I need a master's in engineering management or an MBA? What's the differences between the MEM and, and the MBA? Uh, That's a great question. And it's one that we often uh, have to explain. I'm sure. <laughs> management is... Um, first of all, it's an engineering degree, so that's the first word mm -hmm. uh, in the title. And what we're intending here are individuals who have uh, a deep understanding of the fundamentals in engineering and potential discipline that could be in a range of backgrounds. Mm -hmm. And what they're really interested in is that technology transition and moving into the, the management of those technologies or uh, potential products, et cetera, and transitioning them to market. The core of that, though, is that they're still involved in the project management and design phase, so they can get into the technical components of the underlying technology, whereas I would say in the MBA, it's a stronger 
focus on uh, the, the less technical components and the more marketing or business side of the, the problem, but they typically wouldn't be involved in the detail of specifications or requirements or the design components of a problem. Would a student in master's in engineering management study, let's say, accounting or finance or take even one class in marketing or something like that? So what we, we require as part of the core curriculum is that they have to learn about project management. Mm-hmm. They do a collaborative project management. They also have to have a, a course in organizational or institutional behavior. Mm-hmm. They also have to have a course, at least one course in accounting and finance. What happens is we also have uh, specializations, so they have a lot of flexibility. They often take more than just the, the minimum, but yeah. A large part of what we're interested in is uh, it's not enough just to have a great idea or a technical design is how to transition that into the institution or the market that you're working with it. Okay. What are the academic requirements to gain admission? So for our program, we do require an engineering degree. uh, And in cases outside of engineering, we accept computer science degrees. We also will make exceptions where folks have a highly quantitative background, for example, uh, physics or applied physics. Uh, There have been some instances where people have actually, uh, they don't have an undergraduate degree, for example, in engineering, but they've taken um, additional uh, graduate professional course development in mathematics and some of the underlying engineering that they would need to understand on the engineering side of their curriculum. But in general, uh, computer science, physics, or engineering degree. Are required. And I assume GRE is required? GRE is required for our on-campus admissions process. We do not require it for our eCornell admission process. Okay. Do you prefer that applicants have full-time work experience? And I guess this is more of a question for the on-campus program than the on than the distance learning program. Experience, whether it's through internship or something more substantial, is always a benefit to the mm-hmm. student. I would say uh, Cornell's role in engineering management, especially with our on-campus cohort, a lot of those folks are actually junior uh, in their career development, so they may not have multiple years of experience. And what they want to do is transition themselves to an accelerated access to managerial roles. But overall, in terms of the way that I'm reviewing applications and thinking about admissions and uh, the strength of the program, it, it's always welcome to have a lot of experience. Uh, it's not strictly enforced in terms of the on-campus cohort. For the eCornell component, we are looking for two to three years of uh, professional experience. Okay, but it's it's not a requirement for, for it's, it's preferred but not required, if I, if I understand you correctly, right? For on-campus, it's, it's great, it's not required. For the uh, distance learning, it is required. Got it, all right, thank you. What else, and so, you want them to have this technical background or undergraduate degree. And obviously, we just explored the whole work experience question for both programs. What else are you looking for in the admissions process? What we're looking for is someone that has a lot of enthusiasm in, and that's clear in their admission process, that they have the academic 
rigor to handle the graduate level coursework here at Cornell. We have to be careful to select folks that are going to be capable of taking that 50-50 split between the the management or business side and then the engineering side. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we spend a lot of time at a personal level. So every applicant that is considered for admission is actually interviewed. Um, and so we want to get to know folks. We, we want to understand their individual stories and not just how an individual fits in. So for an individual admission, but how they, they fit into the, the broader cohort. So what I'm looking at is a whole picture. And it's a combination of factors in terms of it's always nice to see that they know about our program, they know about our requirements, that they have a a fairly uh, clear idea of why they come. It's fine to not know exactly what you want to do or what company you want to end up at, Um, but showing a familiarity with our program and being able to express some of the ambitions that you have for what you want to do uh, both within the program and then after the program always makes an applicant stand out. Sure. Now, what if and you, you touched on this a little bit in your, in your previous answer, um, what if an applicant is interested, but doesn't have an engineering or physics or comp sci undergrad degree? Can he or she take specific classes? Some would have to be a lot of classes, but to to get that background, even if they don't have the bachelor's in engineering or comp sci. So it's not unheard of where we've had cases where students have, for example, a mathematics or economics background, and then they take some classes uh, before they come to Cornell in mathematics uh, and physics. basic mechanics. Um, And a lot of that can be a conversation with our program uh, and just making sure that we're the right fit, because obviously that's non-trivial. But what happens often is that person would want to take those classes anyway, and they're very interested in transitioning to engineering or uh, computer science or some more technical change in their profession. So taking those courses is just basically on the path that they're already on. Okay. Can you describe the application process for both programs? I noticed that there's a statement of purpose requirement for both and an additional writing sample requirement for the distance learning program for the online program. Sure. So for just starting with the on-campus cohort, it's a standard Cornell application process, online graduate, uh, process. It does require the GRE. You do have a statement of purpose uh, that is carefully read by me uh, and our entire program. Um, and the process of that review that goes to our graduate school and then comes to us, we will typically, for the on-campus cohort, begin the review processes uh, in January. Uh, and then what we will do is it's a two-stage admission is I screen the applicants and then I nominate them for follow-on interview. Uh, And then we interview every candidate and then we finalize our admission um, processes and decisions. Uh, Major differences between the on-campus and off-campus process. Off-campus, it's a different set of individuals we're seeking. Um, We reach out to folks and companies. We do not require the GRE. 
and uh, that also requires, we have a sense of their professional writing. Since we do require that they have professional experience, it's helpful for me in particular to be able to read some of the technical documents or writing documents that they've generated as a professional writing example. It just puts me in the context of where they're at and, um, in terms of how they're communicating and what types of problems uh, they're considering. All right. Now, I noticed online when I was preparing for the call that uh, your program provides some advice on the statement of purpose. And one of them is be creative. We want to learn more about you in a fun, engaging way. And then yep. um, highlight your strengths, which is always a good idea for a statement of purpose. And share your passion for Cornell. We are excited to hear that you. what gets you excited about Cornell and the, and the MEM program. When does – so the first one is be creative. When does creative become weird? You know, we give a lot of leeway. I think one of the things is uh, if you're a student and you're listening to this and you're thinking about how am I going to write this essay – be thinking that somebody's sitting down and going to read 400 or more of these uh, and read them carefully. And I think creativity can be interpreted in a lot of ways. Yeah. It can connect in terms of what is your, your personal motivation, your trajectory, the things that have inspired you. Um, I think it, it's always nice to feel at the end of having read one of these essays that I know a person better and I get a sense of what they're excited about. And I also get a, a strong sense. It connects. It, you're conveying information. What are the experiences you had that are relevant to the program? Have you done internships? Have you worked in companies? Have there experiences in your courses and or your technical experience that have really motivated connections to the program? If so, how, where do you connect to the program? I think when creativity gets a little bit strange is when they paint a very creative picture of an analogy or a metaphor, but I don't know them at the end of it. Yeah. Uh, it's not personal. It just seems like a, a creative writing exercise that doesn't really give me the information I need to know a person. It's like a, the billboard. You ever see billboards and you don't know what they mean? Yeah. Well, you don't want an advertisement <laughs> where nobody understands exactly what's what's being okay. advertised. Okay. Isn't is it? Uh, you mentioned that you interview all admitted applicants. Is that is that correct? Is that for both the online and and on campus programs? So our on campus cohort is that we do a preliminary interview, um, and that preliminary interview is before you're actually admitted. Oh, it's, all right the second step in our evaluation of admission. Mm -hmm. So once you get an interview, it does not mean that you're admitted. It means that you're in the second stage of admission. Um, it, it's different in the uh, distance learning program because those folks have more um, experience, uh, they're more senior. And so we typically do not do uh, an interview as much as uh, we do reach out and connect and it's more of a conversation of where they're at and how our program fits their needs. And the, the on-campus interview is, is more of a traditional um, interview? Was it a behavioral interview or is it, you know, why do you want to join the program kind of interview? It, it's conversational, but it's also what we want them to do is uh, there's a component to it where there is going to be a timed 
uh, read something that's recently interesting, possibly in the news, and mm -hmm. let's talk about it. And then moving from let's talk about that to let's talk about the program. Um, and it gives yeah. that sense of just where they're at and how they think about an interesting concept. And um, in essence, it, it's important for us to bring folks into our program who are going to be a good fit for the degree of so at Cornell, particularly in our engineering management classes, there's going to be a lot of in-class discussion, a lot of interaction, um, a lot of dynamic between group members and between professors. And it's just making sure that on both sides of that equation, that it's a good fit, that somebody's going to be comfortable with that degree of interaction. How many people are actually in the program? So, um, Right now, we have a cohort of approximately 55. That's our target in terms of on campus. Um, it fluctuates a bit, but uh, if things are where we want them, we typically target about 55 uh, to 60 individuals each cohort for the on campus. And then for our online cohort, uh, our target is 35. Now, in terms of the longer term, our on-campus uh, program has more than 30 years of experience, and so we have more than 800 alumni uh, that are all over in that regard. So any individual cohort, approximately 50 to 60, and then you're joining a, a large group of individuals given our decades. Right. Of, uh, right. And do graduates have access to the larger Cornell network? So that's something that we've really, I took over directing the program in 2015. And one of the things that we really wanted maximized was the strength of that alumni network. Um, there's been a lot of really exciting events, actually. Um, not too long ago, we actually, Cornell has a tech campus in New York City. We mm -hmm. had a anniversary event. We brought alumni in. It was amazing to see all the folks that are in all sorts of different positions, whether it's chief technology officer or running their own consultancies or all sorts of things. But it, we've really spent a lot of time to try to reach out and build mentoring and connections and even in our own curriculum ideas. If alumni have projects in their companies that they'd like to, to pitch for projects on campus, uh, we've tried to build a lot of momentum and connection with that. Great. And what are the, uh, they said there's so much diversity in what alumni do, but what are the typical positions that grads go into? Our grads, especially now, uh, are really going into uh, consulting positions is very, very common. Product management is a, another. There's a large demand for analytics so one of the things we've emphasized over the last few years is really increasing the depth and breadth of state-of-the-art analytics that individuals get trained in. And those, those folks have a huge market. There can be everything from quantitative analysis in financial institutions through um, online distribution, uh, major, so places like Amazon, Facebook, et cetera. Uh, so there's a lot of diversity in that, but I mean, supply chains, business logistics, and then there's on the actual 
more specific engineering side um, topics like renewable energy mm -hmm. are areas where you'll see people where or biomedical or um, a variety of other more disciplinary um, companies will hire uh, students with engineering management background as well. All right. And um, I also noticed when I was reviewing the site that there's an option for a joint MS in engineering and an MBA. And whom is that option right for? Because now we have the MEM, you have the MS MBA, and you have the MBA. Where would so, the MS MBA fit in? program with the MBA and I would say our Masters of Engineering, I, there are some folks where they have uh, the ambition of a leadership position or an executive position. Um, and in particular, if you think about uh, the CTO track, so Chief Technology Officer mm -hmm. track, mm -hmm. Uh, somebody that has a lot of depth. So the nice thing about the, the Masters of Engineering and Engineering Management is you still can take a lot of courses to increase your technical depth while you're ramping up your, your management breadth. And then that can accelerate you in terms of your specialization and your focus in your MBA as well. But I find that a lot of these folks are typically uh, a bit more senior and they have uh, an ambition towards uh, more specific technology-oriented executive or entrepreneurial roles. Okay, thanks. Are the MEM programs STEM certified? The Masters of Engineering Management yeah. uh, is, I would say, classified under. So if you, you look at programs, they are uh, it's a STEM field. Engineering is required. And so as, if you look at our program, uh, we do we require that as so you have a computer science physics or engineering degree so you're very much in STEM. Well, I was referring uh, to the technical designation for visa purposes. I'm not a hundred percent certain of that answer. Right. I would assume yes because they're coming into the graduate school and the College of Engineering. Right. Right. Okay. And what question would you have liked or questions would you like me to ask that I didn't ask? What would you like to answer? <laughs> What's a day in the life of an engineering manager? Is, go ahead. Uh, go ahead. Go for it. So I think one of the things that you have is just thinking about if there's a new technology or a new idea and you're trying to, to promote this. Um, one of the, I think, fallacies that you get in engineering is that a good idea just propagates itself into the world. Um, and unfortunately, that's just simply not true. And a day in the life of an engineering manager is somebody who is looking at that product or that technology. They understand it at a fundamental level in terms of why and what it's doing. And then transitioning it into market uh, is a complex process that they have to navigate probably between the design team and the marketing team. They are somebody who is in a translational role. They speak the technical and they speak the management. And so they're in a constant state of translation and making connections and filling a gap that typically exists. There's often a breach between the technical side of a given institution and its business side. And so these folks are spending their days basically helping to bridge that gap. 
All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Reed, for joining me today and for all the information you've provided about this program. I've enjoyed learning about Cornell's Master's in Engineering Management. And where can listeners and interested applicants learn more about it? So I would encourage folks to come to our website. It's the best piece of information with the most up-to-date overview of the program and the application process. Okay, great. Well, we're going to link to it. And listener, you'll find links in the show notes at accepted.com slash 351 to the Masters in Engineering Management site, as well as to related podcasts and resources. And don't forget to download your free copy of Applying to Graduate Engineering Programs, What You Need to Know at accepted.com slash 351 download. Again, that's accepted.com slash 351 download. Listener, thank you too for tuning in to this, our 351st episode. If you've been interested enough to stay to the end, don't miss any future shows or valuable information. Subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, Google, Google Podcasts, or whatever podcatcher you prefer. You can find subscribe links at, you guessed it, accepted.com slash 351. This is Admission Straight Talk, produced by Accepted, and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week.